This is With Intrepid Heart Sermons, sermons by Rev. Adam Moline of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Our text today is the first reading, especially these words, Fear God and give Him glory, because the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth the sea, and the springs of water. Thus far, our text. Dear friends in Christ, the angel of God in our scripture lesson today has a bold message to proclaim, to preach right into our ears. He says, fear God and give him glory. Fear God, because his judgment has come. Fear God, because he created you, and in that sense, owns you. Fear God, because he's, well, God. It matches up with what we say in the small catechism, what we're teaching our children the hour before we meet here on Wednesdays, especially in regards to the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Proverbs chapter 9 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Fearing God is a very important part of having faith in God. Because only the fear of God acknowledges that God is God and that we are not God. In fact, the truth is, if we understand the fear of God correctly... We can use our fear of other things to determine when we break the first commandment. Anything we fear, love, or trust more than God is potentially an idol. And so if we think about the things that we fear, we might learn where we need to repent. Here, try it with me. It just involves asking some questions. What are you afraid of? What do you fear? And how does that fear affect your thoughts and your actions in your everyday life? For example, maybe you're afraid of having enough money to make ends meet. Probably a pretty common fear right now with inflation as high as it is. It's probably, to a certain extent, a good fear. You're a little nervous about having enough money and that motivates you to go to work, to work hard, to provide, to spend wisely on the important things and avoid spending on the not important things. But 
maybe over time, that fear gets multiplied. You realize that you are not keeping up with the Joneses, and you want to. You're afraid that the people around you look down on you because you don't have as much as they do. So you look at your car and you're afraid that it's a piece of junk and you need a brand new Lexus to replace it. You look at your home and are afraid it's too small and it doesn't have the latest technological smart home advancements, light bulbs that can play music or whatever. So you need to get a new one. You see a commercial and decide that your smartphone is outdated. After all, it can't take pictures in the dark. It can't fold in half. And so you need to get a new one. Suddenly, you're afraid that you don't have enough. You're not content with the things God has given to you. God hasn't provided enough, and so you're afraid it's up to you now. And the fear that, in a way, had driven you to go to work and work hard now drives you even more. It cracks the whip at your back. You work longer and longer hours. You skip church and children's activities at school so that you can make more money. Maybe use shady accounting practices to gain more. Your marriage suffers. Your family falls apart. You become angry at your neighbor whose leaves blow into your yard. Your wealth, your outward appearance of wealth, becomes your status symbol. You're afraid that you'll lose it. More afraid of losing your wealth, of appearing wealthy, of having stuff, than you're afraid of God. That means you don't fear, love, and trust God above all other things. That's sin against the first commandment. Sin leads to death, eternal death. What are you afraid of? What fears drive you? How do those fears affect your thoughts and your actions? Maybe it's not money. Is your fear in regard to your family? Are you afraid that your child will fail at something? So you bend the rules so that they can succeed, helping them do their homework rather than letting them do it themselves? Are you afraid about your loved one's health so you dedicate everything you have to making them better? Are you afraid a loved one is making bad choices and so you come in and force them to do what's right, even if it causes friction 
and anger and hatred. Do you fear any of these things in relation to your family more than you fear God? Yes, God, who says all of these things are in his hands. Who says he's the one who created you and your family and gives you all that you need to support this body and life. Does your fear lead you to actions that are sinful? Yes, I know, family is a great gift from God. It is good for you to love them and care for them. Yet at the same time, you can't let those fears of things happening to your family be bigger than your fear and faith in God. Jesus says the Christian faith will pit father against son, daughter against mother. And the battle lines will be drawn over those who fear God above all things. What are you afraid of? How do these fears affect your thoughts and your actions? Are you afraid of dying? How does that affect your thoughts and actions? Do you dedicate yourself to health, to exercise, to diet, at the expense of all other things? Are you obsessed with taking pictures that put you in the best light and posting them on Facebook or Snapchat or Twitter or Instagram, or are you more afraid of how people view your health? Are you more afraid of how long your body will last than you're afraid of God? Isn't your body first and foremost a temple of the Holy Spirit? Sure, you ought to take care of a temple of the Holy Spirit. But fear cannot be bigger for your body than for God. What are you afraid of? What do you fear? Flying in an airplane? The dark? Next week's election results? Heights? Spiders? Mice? Snakes? Ghosts? Goblins? Witches? Income taxes? The list goes on and on and on. Are you afraid of anything in this world more than you fear, love, and trust God? See how that works? How that idea of fear can help diagnose our idols? 
here in this world? You see, what God really wants is that He is feared above all things. He is, after all, the one who created all things here that exist in our world. He's in charge of them all. The ones you fear and the ones that you don't. And what's more, Scripture teaches us, not only did He create these things, He's promised to take care of you and them. God made all of the stuff that we covet, that we store up as wealth. God made even our families, our friends, our companions, our acquaintances. God made our bodies and even our lives. We confess this in the Catechism. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support my body and life. He has given me even body and soul and still takes care of them. And He always will. Everything in this world that terrifies you is under God's care and God's command. God does promise to take care of you. Fearing that God will not take care of you is sin. We all have it in one way, shape, or form. We all sin. You know what's pretty amazing? God even takes care of that. God even takes care of your sin. God knew that your sinful nature would struggle to fear, love, and trust in Him above all things. God knew that because of sin, your fear would be great for family, possessions, body, or whatever else. God knew that your sinful heart would struggle to trust. God knew your faith would not be as strong as it should be at fearing, loving, and trusting Him. So He sent Jesus to deal with your sinful fears in this world. He sent Jesus, who came speaking the words that counteract fear. You know what they are. How many times have you heard Jesus say, fear not, peace be with you, be not afraid. As he preached and taught, Jesus dealt with every fear that every person had ever had. He dealt directly with those that he met. He healed the blind. 
and the deaf and the mute and the lame and the demon-possessed? What sort of fears would those people have? And Christ drove them all away, setting them free from their fears. Disciples in a boat in the middle of the night in the dark, and Christ walks out there to calm their fears. A storm blowing, Christ asleep in the bow of the boat. Jesus rebukes the winds and says, fear not. He healed people whose loved ones were afraid they'd be losing them forever. Afraid of death, afraid of dying. With a word, Christ made them alive. Jesus dealt with all fears and gloriously answered them with the love of God. He overcame all fears in this world by facing them directly, by setting his eyes to Jerusalem, to Golgotha, to the cross. He underwent so much that we are afraid of. His friends left him. He was mocked, lied against, beaten, Bloodied, his beard ripped out, thorns driven into his head, wrongly imprisoned, sentenced to death, and killed by a world afraid of what he might bring about. He faced our fears. He squashed them. He shouted out, It is finished. He rose from the dead to prove it. He now lives forever before God and promises that you will live forever before God because of the grace that he has bestowed upon you. A peace and love and a grace that surpasses all understanding is yours. In Jesus. Are you afraid about your wealth? Now in Jesus you've become an heir to the greatest treasure ever. The love of God. Are you afraid for your family? In Jesus you've been adopted into God's family. The family that lives forever. Are you afraid of dying? Jesus says, if you die and believe in him, even then you shall live. Are you afraid of anything? God has dealt with it. In Jesus, fear not, you belong to Jesus. Fear not, 
Fear God. Give him glory. He alone holds you in his hands. He alone has paid the price for you. He alone has decided your future. He alone has promised you eternity. You have no other false gods to be afraid of. For there's only one God, Christ. Fear this God. Give him glory. Because the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made the heavens and the earth and the springs of water. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This has been With Intrepid Heart Sermons by Pastor Adam Moline. The words, With Intrepid Hearts, come from the conclusion to the Book of Concord where it is written, By God's grace, with intrepid hearts, we are willing to appear before the judgment seat of Christ with this confession, and give an account of it. We will not speak or write anything contrary to this confession, either publicly or privately. By the strength of God's grace, we intend to abide by it.